Hello again, welcome to a Planet Beyond shortcast, this time hosted by me, Alex Conacher. And that's because in this episode, we're turning the tables on our regular host, John Baston Pitt. I'll be asking the questions. I'm a member of the production team at Reby Media, the company that helps John and Planet Beyond's creator, Susanna Pays, put episodes together behind the scenes. We get a lot of questions from listeners about our host. And so today, John will be giving the answers. John trained as a geologist and geophysicist and helped form two companies making early use of radar in investigations of structures like high-rise buildings, bridges and roads. When the second of these businesses, Aperio, was acquired by Fugro, he began to focus more on sales and marketing. Now, data has always been important to John. The businesses he helped found used new tools to acquire better data, but at Fugro he saw how important data can be to forming business relationships. And one tool John uses in his work with the Fugro sales team is Microsoft's Power BI, an interactive data visualization software product. It was during one of these presentations that Susanna saw how he could play a role in the podcast she was developing. Tell me about that, John. I'm, I'm very keen on numbers and using data to drive better business decisions. And so uh, for a period of time, I was uh, on, a, I think it was a monthly basis, talking to everybody in the sales and marketing teams about all the different metrics that you can get out. You feed the beast with um, uh, all this data, but for goodness sake, make the beast sweat for you. And, and so I wrote a lot of um, Power BI reports, which enabled these, this intelligence to be at people's fingertips. And of course, you need to brief these things. You can't just create them. You need to constantly tell people the value of this data, how it can resolve things, how it can switch the light on, basically. And I think Susanna just heard me on these sessions and thought, hmm, he might be. He might be a good host for my idea because it was very much Susanna's idea um, to do a podcast which is about thought leadership at the end of the day. Something that allows people just to stop and reflect on a particular topic. I don't think you'd told me that story before. It's often a meeting like that that gets an idea up and running. But once you've turned an idea into a business, that's when data comes in. Why is it so important? Well, I think the data nowadays, well, we all know it, we live in this environment, is super imperative because if we don't, if we don't collect it, analyse it and act on it, we're pretty much dead in the water nowadays because it's a highly competitive environment. And so I don't think anything, anything has changed. I think if you look back, there's been some enormously successful and great businesses and they were in part, and of course, there's many facets to a great business, but they are they were in part those that were really deeply understanding the trends of their competitors, the trends of their customers, how their people were acting and responding. And they were able to change or maintain or amplify their behaviors on the back of that data. So how do you work with the great mass of data available to us today? Do you have a list of principles you use? I hate lists. I like pictures. 
I'm not sure that's going to work on a podcast, John. Trust me, Alex. Alex, can you close your eyes? Okay, and this has evolved over the years, as everything should, and this has um, and this has been completely stolen from uh, the most wonderful man I came across, I really don't know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. He, he, he told us, sit down, close your eyes. You're sitting in a valley, you're standing in a valley, and you're seeing rich forests, um, you're seeing streams, you're seeing flora, you're seeing fauna. Out in front of you, there's a railway line going off into the distance. On the right-hand side of that railway line is a, is a wall, a brick wall. On the top of that brick wall are two people. They're holding hands, they're smiling, and they're waving. They're waving to the train driver who's racing her down that track, and he waves back. So my picture here, Alex, is that, and I've used this over the, all of my career, that what this gives us, I think, is six facets of better business. And in fact, here we are talking on a Planet Beyond podcast, and Susanna and I have talked about this, and, you know, as a fundamental structure, and this is a long way, winded way of answering your question, Alex, there is a list there of things that are fundamental, principle in their nature, that I think have managed to stay the, um, the test of time. So the first, that lovely valley, that rich flora and fauna is of course sustainability. Uh, whatever we do, it's got to be sustainable. And that's something that's evolved into my image over the years. The, the railway tracks racing in front of you is continuous improvement, which is innovation. If you don't have that at the heart of your business, it's not long before the competition catches you up, overtakes you, and frankly, you become redundant. And we can point at many businesses like that. On the right of that railway line is that brick wall. That's what I like to call as managed by facts. That's why I'm so obsessed in making sure that people's habits capture information that's relevant and that you give them the tools to make that bee sweat so that in fact they can actually take the right actions early. Now on that wall you have a couple of people holding hands, that's teamwork. Fundamental, absolutely fundamental to successes, successful businesses and We've talked to many teams in Planet Beyond, and it really does get the hairs on the back of your, on your, uh, on your back. Stand up when you hear the interaction of effective teams. It's absolutely wonderful. On the wall, these two people are holding your hands, but they're also smiling. And they're smiling um, because uh, they uh, are also loyal customers. You've got to have customers. They may not choose you because they have a procurement process and they can't choose you this time, but goodness me, you're the natural choice. If they could choose you, they would choose you and you've got to strive for loyal customers. And they're waving. They're waving to the train driver and that's about leadership. And that's the final one of those facets, um, a list if you would, uh, of, uh, of a great business, which is you've got to have 
strong, effective, consistent leadership. And that's always been a challenge. Um, but to get all those things roughly in place, and boy, have you got a great business. Now that's a great metaphor, John. It, it really shows how data helps tie a business together. But you've got to ask the right questions if you want data to be useful. In our pre-interview chat, we talked about some of our favourite episodes. You talked about episode 9, Life After Service. In that episode, we heard from two veterans, Fergus Williams, CEO of Walking With The Wounded, and Paul Ensel, a marine technology trainer with Fugro. Their stories show how harmful to businesses and to potential employees it can be when you ask the wrong questions. There's a lot of prejudice out there against employing veterans. When we ask for people to join the team, we want them to have these degrees, follow this path, and they've got to have X, Y, and Z. Now, there's people who've come through a military career who've done all of that and more and more and applied it and are independent thinkers, etc., etc. I mean, boy, would you want to employ them but they don't get past the first hurdle. Prejudice, lack of thinking, narrow thinking, all the way. And Paul really described the impact of that, didn't he? He shared how he had felt and he shared how how frustrating it was because he knew he could do these jobs better, but he couldn't get past the first hurdle. And we had an opportunity to share that insight with people. And we got people coming back to us saying, yes, yes, yes. That really shows that we have to use data in the right way. We have to ask the right questions in order to make the right decisions. But the world's changing now, isn't it? Increasingly, we're seeing how we might use AI to make decisions for us. What do you think about that, John? What principles should we use to shape how we use tools like this? When I started business, I made sure that every new person who joined the business sat down with me for two hours and we often spent most of our time talking about values. And the values, I always summarise with the word taster. And that stands for trust, accountability, support, uh, truth, excitement and risk. And those principles, those values have guided me. Uh, Whenever I have a sticky situation, I fall back on those values and think, how do I navigate this based on what I fundamentally believe in? Now, what fears me and excites me about AI is that it can get to a point where many of these things are seriously challenged because it's super clever. It's super hard-working stuff that never takes a coffee break, never shows any compassion, just just completes the algorithm, just completes the sentence based upon how everybody else has completed that sentence. And for human beings, that can go in lots of different ways because human beings, as we all know, are different creatures. And, you know, I can pick up on many examples, but I think AI when not applied appropriately. And boy, we're seeing on a daily basis these examples coming out now. And it's only been in the last year. But only this morning I heard and I read that uh, AI 
uh, has now copied a voice and, it, uh, and um, is contacting people asking them to do strange things. What that hits, what that hurts, what that harnesses is the ability to completely erode trust. And that's the top T on my taster um, anagram there. If, if these systems erode trust between people, it, er it destroys a team, it destroys a leadership, and it, it all falls apart. And it becomes a fight by individuals to survive. So I think people are right when they say, time out, let's stop and work this one out, because it can attack us from the core, from our core values will be eroded. And then I'm not sure how human beings can actually carry on purposely from that state. That's a really chilling thought. We need to think much more clearly about how we interact with data, don't we? So last question, and it wasn't on the list, it just came to me. What do we need to change about ourselves to avoid some of these risks? I don't know. You see, once again, you press me to do something which isn't in my DNA. It's not the way I'm structured and the way I think. I think in a network, laterally. In fact, somebody wrote to me this morning asking just to talk to me because they felt that I would give them some different perspectives on a situation. That's where that's one of my strengths. One of my strengths. So, again, when I'm asked to pick out one thing, I really struggle. But I think I think you have to get right down, right down into the fundamental basics of the human condition, and you have to recognise where it's strong and where it's weak. And human beings, given half a chance, will build a barrier. And with a little bit of effort, we'll, we'll build a bridge. And so I ask people, I think, that we need to teach people in schools, in the families, that talking openly, honestly, having understanding real values from a very uh, early age and, it, and its importance can and will give humanity a chance. And that's very much what you and Susanna have been doing with Planet Beyond. It's been a real pleasure to work with you on the series and to interview you for this shortcast. And to our audience, thank you for listening. Until next time, when John will return as our regular host and will be back on the other side of the interview table, be safe, be remarkable, be the difference. <laughs>